Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. Good evening on this cold December night. Dear listeners, tonight my guest is veteran actress Diane Franklin, who has appeared in such films as The Last American Virgin, Amityville 2, The Possession, Better Off Dead, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, all of which were from the 1980s, and more recently, films such as the upcoming The Final Interview, coming up in 2018. And she did a nice little film with her daughter, uh, Olivia De Laurentiis, that was uh, The Adventures of Last. She is the author of two books, both of which you can find on Amazon.com. Diane Franklin, The Excellent Adventures of the Last American French Exchange Babe of the 80s. And also Diane Franklin, The Excellent Curls of the Last American French Exchange Babe of the 80s, Volume 2. And you can find her not only on Facebook, but also on Instagram at Diane, the number two, be with you. Diane, to be with you. Yes, indeed. Let me take a few moments here just to talk to my filmmaker listeners out there. Filmmakers, if you need a host for your film premiere, I am available to make an appearance as the one and only king of DC media. And for that, uh, for bookings, you can contact me at william400 at yahoo.com, subject line MC Opportunity. And I'd like to announce that yours truly is on screen again. Yes, indeed. In the docudrama Angels Within, and it may be nominated for an Oscar. So I'll keep you posted on that. And tomorrow we've got a fantastic show for you folks. We have Ken Arnold, Dan DeLuca, Dan Franco, and Kevin Jiggets from the horror comedy film The Night Watchman. I watched it. It was just fantastic. It was just a riot. A lot of good 80s music, too. Okay, so I see Diane is on the switchboard, so let me go ahead and bring her on the air. Good evening, Diane. Good evening. How are you? I'm fantastic, fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show again. Thank you. It is my pleasure. I'm so excited you asked me to come on again. <laughs> That's right. It's my pleasure. Okay, so we have a lot of ground to cover tonight, so I'm going to start off with your, your latest book. So what's been uh, the reaction to your, to your latest book you've got out there? Well, um, just to um, let you know, I have, um, I have two books, and they're both available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And basically, right. um, the first book I wrote, uh, I wrote in 2012, and you'll see, um, you, if you look up, it's, the title is so long, right? So yeah. what you have to do is look up Diane <laughs> Franklin, it. right? It's like, forget the title, but it makes you laugh. So then that's the point, the feeling of like, it brings back the feeling of the 80s, the upbeat um, uh, generation and um, the 80s genre. And so if you look up Diane Franklin, you'll find two books. The first book is called The Excellent Adventures because that is about my career as an actress. And I highly recommend it to actors because it sort of gives you a sense of perhaps how long maybe things take, you know, that, that when you're an actor, it doesn't happen overnight, does happen overnight, how to maintain that, um, how to right. surround yourself. 
Um, my, my first book is actually meant more for actors, um, I think, in a way than the average person, because I, my perspective is, of course, as an actress, so I, my experience. Um, but I do think that it's also a wonderful chance to go through memory lane. And, you know, uh, you'll see a lot of the things I did. And uh, uh, I have such a wide range of acting experience that you will see um, television and film, voiceovers, soap opera, theater. Um, and I think as any actor, you know, you learn to uh, you want to do as many things as possible because that's how you make a living. If you're not, if you're only just doing film and or you're just doing voiceover, um, you know, agents will try to, they'll want you to, you know, sort of be, you know, one and only for them. But that doesn't mean that right. you can't go and look on the side and, you know, get, a, you know, a different agent for different things um, because your job is to, you know, keep working. And honestly, Anyone who hires you wants you to be a working actor. You know, they want to see you up to speed. Um, and so it's the actor's job to figure out what's the focus of what I'm working on now. And, uh, you know, for instance, if you're doing voiceover, you're going to be studying different voices. I always say body and voice tell a story because I, I teach acting yeah. as well. And um, voice tells a story. And so even if you're watching, if you're watching film, listen to the voice, you know, and if you're doing voiceovers, you know, it's not just the quality of the voice. It's what's, you know, what words are you uh, pushing? What's your attitude? Um, what's the feeling that you get when you say your line? And so like, or your line. So there's a lot of um, research to do within every category of what you uh do as an right, actor. and I had a I had um, a question about that. So, what's the key to being conversational when you're doing a, so like a commercial, like a radio spot, or because uh, I've done spots for this show. So, like, what's the the key to right. to being conversational? Um, okay, so first of all, we're talking about being uh, improvisational, um, and to be in improv, I think uh, there's some basic rules. Uh, and why, when I'm when you're talking about like being conversational with someone, first of all, your first thing is you need to do a thing called yes and. It's a, a rule of improv. Yes and meaning go with the flow. Um, don't come in with a resistant attitude. Listen. You don't know what's going to happen. That person could say anything. So just listening. And, and I'm, when I say like I'm not even just telling people to listen. I'm saying just go with the flow. Listen with the, a positive um, attitude. And that means not only your that'll increase your confidence in answering it, but it also allows you to understand that um, conversation is a flow of energy back and forth. And if you go with an open, people talk, say, you know, be open, don't be resistant, be vulnerable. There's a lot of words that try to get you to be there, but the general uh, improv, the first, you know, uh, rule of improv is yes and. So go with the flow. Um, and then, you know, I think in conversation, uh, you always want to come from a place where you're, you have something to say before you start. You know, like think about mm. why are you there? You know, what do you, want, what do you have to say? Um, if you have lines, you know, you're going to try to justify those lines in your head. Why would I say that? But I do think one of the main things about an, being an actor is it has, the reason why people say be real, you know, I used to confuse what that meant. 
what when people say be real when I was little they would like be real be real you know the funny part was for me being real I was very animated I had a lot of energy <laughs> I mean if you told me to be me and as, as we're talking right now I could you know I just I mean I was shy you know but I was also like if you if you told me to be me like that wasn't it wasn't maybe what was considered natural so when I think sometimes that's misleading. And even when I teach, you know, I, what I'm trying to do is always figure out what is the language of, the, of what's your language? I mean, if I tell you to be yourself, well, what does that mean? Maybe that means something completely different than what someone's trying to get from you. Um, I think what, what really helped me be me is that just come from a place where uh, you're concentrating and, and thinking about what the person's asking and, then really answer it with something you have to say about it. Think of what you have to say about it. And if you have nothing to say about it, um, then I would have to, I mean, admit that. <laughs> you know, I don't know, right? I, I did, yeah. I, did I, I mean, I have to only bring this up because it's hilarious. Um, I did a podcast for a, a comedian. Um, and, oh, my gosh, what was his name? Darn it. It's, oh, I'll think of it later, but he, we had to do a game show on the 80s, and so it was 80s trivia. And so I was like, I told him, I'm not going to be good at this. And he's like, no, you're going to be great. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to be good at this. Whatever, I'm going to go with the flow. But, you know, I have no idea. So he was asking me, these, he started to ask me questions. And in my head, I said to myself, okay, I am going to commit to not knowing. I mean, if he asks me something, I'm just going to commit to not knowing. I'm not going to be passive about it. I'm not going to be tentative about it. I am just going to not know. So he would say things like, you know, okay, it's a guy, and he was in this movie where, um, you know, he's uh, he's been killed. You know, like, like there's a dead guy, and they drag him around all over the place. And I'm like, an actor. Uh, he's handsome. He's yeah. I mean, like I'm just trying to pick things that are like just so general, but it was so hilarious I mean I was crying and he was crying because it was one of those moments where because I just committed to not knowing it it was probably one of the best shows he's ever done it was so funny and I think that I all I can say to you is that's part of it like commit to what you know and commit what you don't know and I think the worst thing for an actor to do when they go in for an audition is to second guess themselves or uh, you know, like get into your head too much. Um, mm. That that's why they say sometimes when, an actor when they go into an audition, sometimes it's really good when you're yeah. sick. Always go to the auditions when you're sick. I know that's a really weird thing to say, but you will book them because your energy huh. doesn't. It, it it's not so high, and so you're just and so you all you need to do is listen because that's all you can do because you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to go home. So what do I have to do? Like you don't have the time to overthink something you're just like okay you want me to do that fine and that is basically um it's just a piece of information i think might make people thoughtful about when they go in audition what it is also honestly i mean if you're an actor the only thing you need to do really is to make go on as many auditions as possible Seriously, it is a numbers game the more you go the better your chances if you go on one audition for the year you know, yeah. how can you put all that pressure on yourself to go on that one audition? That's ridiculous. Not only may you not be picked, but you may not be right. Maybe there was a legitimate reason why you weren't right, even if you were wonderful. So the key is whether you have an agent or whether you do it through LA Casting or whether you go to a meg, you know, uh, like to open calls, 
the more you go, the more relaxed you'll be, the more yourself you'll be. So um, it's a lot of work. I used to go in auditions when in the 80s. I went, you know, my gosh, like I could go in like five auditions a week, you know, and that's yeah. a lot, you know, uh, and especially as a young girl, like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, I was going to the city and, you know, that, I mean, and sometimes I'd have like three auditions in one day or so, and like that kind of a feeling is the way you want to go. And how did I get those auditions? I would do modeling and commercials, theater, hand modeling, you know, hand modeling. I mean, like, I was like, okay, I'll do <laughs> anything that involves, you know, doing, going and, and uh, getting myself out there. Um, I would put myself out there and I never, uh, I didn't put myself, my ego in that way. Like, I mean, honestly, uh, in my, oh, we were talking about my books. So my second book, it's an yeah. amazing book, um, and you will see the word curls in it. And that is a right. great book for actors. I mean, both all my books are really so with information for actors because you, you will read through between the lines. You will see what I have. I have put auditions that I went for during a time at, like, that I would write my, my books. You know, like you'd have like a date book, and I put my uh-huh. like, I, I actually put those in my book. Um, you know, like so, you know, flash dance. Like I have a two two ten callback on flashes. You know what I mean? All these things which were wow. like you know, oh my gosh, they're huge films. But you look back and you go, oh my god! Like I look at that that same day, I went for a you know a toilet paper audition. Do you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> like you, right, right? So as an actor, yeah. we put people on pedestals, but we don't think, oh my gosh, they're actually. That's you right. Know, even when they're and not only, us, and not they're only that. Amazing. Yeah, and not only that, mm-hmm. but some people are saying that you. Uh, created a kind of a, a, a curly-headed trend that you kind of started a trend oh, for curly hair back yes. then. That, that is my, that's my <laughs> second book. Um, and this was amazing. Honestly, while it, when I did this film, Last American Virgin, and the story is in the book as well, um, I had been modeling for 10 years before. Nothing. I mean, I would get little tiny parts, commercials, but not like in film. It couldn't break into film. Couldn't break in. Yeah. To, I did some soap opera, but it wasn't happening, and it was because the style was very straight hair. And, you know, for whatever reason, it was just the style, the way it was. And I booked Last American Virgin, and that film kick-started all the curly hair trends. That was the first film that had curly hair in the 80s. Because um, at least, well, what happened was um, there was, a, for, you know, a, a, a white girl, there was like a... a uh, what's her name? Um, oh gosh, she was in um, Amy Irving. Amy Irving did. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. Played, she was a beautiful girl in Carrie, but that but the curly hair didn't hit then. It was like right, she was the like 70s. A, a friend, but yeah, it was the seventies and it didn't 76. hit. But when right. right, right, and then when I did um, Last American Virgin, it I was the it was a complete accident and it's a great story and my my hair was dark and curly and everything was blonde blue eyes Sarah Fawcett it was like you know Marsha Brady was like that was the the ideal American girl the American dream girl and when I got virgin all of a sudden I played the American dream girl but I wasn't I wasn't and I remember going through it going what what's happening why am I the dream girl. And it was because the uh, film was made by Israeli directors and they saw that dark hair, you know, uh, dark curly hair is beautiful. That was their version of beauty. So 
I started getting lead after lead after lead afterwards. I mean, honestly, I got a lead over Ali Sheedy. And honestly, that wasn't even, I mean, she got a lead as well, but I was like this lead of this film and I couldn't figure it out. But as I went, I went, oh my gosh. And people would say, leave your hair curly, leave it. You know, my managers would be like, leave it curly. So what I want to say is that then, then flash dance and dirty dancing and all this other the curly hair came in and then people are getting right. terms and I'm Jennifer thinking Bills. what is happening what is I yeah know, I mean, <laughs> honestly I did a press kit for Better Off Dead during the, this time in, in the 1985 and I wrote in the press kit this is amazing because I've actually like I never thought that you know curly hair would be a, a would be beautiful would be considered attractive. Yeah. That was the problem. The problem wasn't having curly hair. I mean, Lucille Ball had curly hair at the time, you know, like in the 70s, and uh, Bernadette Peters, um, but it wasn't considered beautiful. So that's what, to me, like that's the thing. Why can't curly hair be beautiful? Two, also. I don't mean just. I mean also. So when I did that, that's why I wrote my book, because I was like, it absolutely opened the door for ethnicity. In the 80s, yeah. it absolutely so, might be right? What? Right. Diane, I, I want to take a right? left turn. That's right. Talk about your writing process. Do you write in the oh, morning nice. or at night? Ooh, well, that's a very good point. I write whenever I can. Um, wow. I'll say this. Okay. <laughs> I write whenever I – here's what it is. I, I have a family. I have a husband and two kids. Um, when, as I've been writing my books, they've been growing up doing stuff. So what I would do in the car as I was driving to places, I would think, 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 think. And then I would write notes um, in my, on my phone or, like, leave message, you know, notes you can record yourself on the phone of areas. So when I first started it, it was like one – when someone sees, what do I want to say? I mean, just like I was saying before, what is the point? What do I want to say? If you're writing a book, it's not just about little experiences. It's about what do you want to say when that person puts down that book? What do you want to say in that book? You know, do you want to say, you know, the acting life was great? Do you want to say, oh, my God, the acting life was the worst? Uh, do you want to say, this person did this to me? Do you want to say, I, you know, I have something valuable to pass on? You know, so that was the first kind of thing. My, so when I write... Uh, the first thing I would do is record and think, 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 think. And then um, I would obviously write, f- find facts and all this stuff. So I did a lot of my work. Um, I would uh, type in the car. I'd bring my laptop and bring the car to like, be a soccer game. And I'd be like typing a chapter while I'm waiting for a soccer practice. Yeah. Like, On the highway? Yeah, right, like there's pocket sacks. Yeah, like, you know, I'm, like, writing when there's, like, soccer practice. I'm, like, okay. Oh, okay, Um, soccer practice. (laughs) Right. Not while I'm driving there, but, you know. (laughs) um, I don't know. L.A., I don't know. Um, Bumper to bumper. Right. Right. That's true. It would could write a lot for that (laughs) that reason. Um, uh, Also, like, um, I would write at night, um, too, but it had to do with more when I had the free time. I would write uh, a lot when I was at conventions. Like, I'd write on a plane, like on the way to a place. Um, Or when I was at a convention, like I do signing conventions when I was there at night. Um, I used my time really well. And um, I think it's just my, I guess, you know, like, I don't think I would have written a book um, earlier in my career because I was busy auditioning. You know what I'm saying? And so this was kind of a time where I went, 
when do you have the time? I, I guess I have to say this. Um, and I also, by the way, graduated from college this year. <laughs> oh, so congratulations. Crazy. What college? Thank you. Um, I went, I actually originally went to NYU and then I wound up graduating from CSUN, which is in Northridge. Uh, and I, I did that because they had a really good education program and I majored in English and I wanted to, uh, and that helped me write. No book, science. Which was, yeah, um, I love science, and I have to say, yeah. being interested in science was very beneficial to how I went after acting. But the English taught me how to write, so and it taught me how to, I guess, get all my ideas out. You know, and it was funny. I didn't major nice. in. Um, I, I I didn't major in writing. Actually, I majored in um, education in. Uh, uh, drama, uh, not drama, uh, teaching English. So I think what happened was during the process, but I did this, by the way, in, uh, you know, at nighttime. So like I raised my family. Um, I looked at it as while I was raising my family, the time to fill the cup. So I went and went to school uh, at night once, you know, here and there, you know, there were years where I couldn't go, but I finally finished. And um, now I've actually, but, but of course, every single time I went back to school, I got an acting job. Well, wouldn't you know, last year, or I mean, I'm sorry, this year, I just did a, um, I got called from a director, and uh, I just did uh, the remake of an Amityville Murders, uh, Amityville Murders, the Amityville movie that I did in the 80s. I played the daughter. Now I play the mother. Nice. So now it's going to come out next year, 2018. So here I am, as a, you know, all these years have passed, um, and the director called me, and I was thrilled because now as an adult, I have so much more to offer as an actress than I did when I was younger. I was now I, I trust myself. I know how I work. Um, I know how to get myself where I need to be. And um, so what happened was I, uh, I was offered the film, and uh, I shot it this summer in July. And then nice. – it's going to come out next year, and it's called The Haunt. So everyone listen to this. The Haunting on Long Island, The Amityville Murders. And that is coming out next year. And I have to say, I think it's the best work in my career. I've, I haven't done – this is to me awesome. the best work. The director, when yeah, I auditioned for the role – Yeah, up there. Yeah. Well, yeah, not only do I know the people – like, I grew up during that time. It's a time period piece, right. and it takes place in the 70s, this particular yeah. film. This film is a docudrama. You talked to, about doing a docudrama as well. Um, because it is a docudrama, it was, it was wonderful because the director did the documentary of Amityville. His name is Daniel oh, Ferranz. Oh, okay. And Ferranz, and so what he did was he took the, um, he did the documentary, and then he asked me when he was a kid, he saw the Amityville I was in, and he asked me to play the mom, who is Louise DeFeo. So I got to research her and work, you know, and study her and, like, be able to be her in this film, um, which is based on the true story of the boy murdering his family. Mm. Spoiler alert. So, <laughs> um, no, yeah, don't give too much I'm away. Excited. Right. Yeah. Nice. It's coming out next year. Um, I, I'm very, very excited because I think it's, I mean, after all these years, it'll, you know, be in the theaters and I'll be so excited, you know, to be part of it. And the, the actors are amazing. I think my feeling was this film was the best of all the Amityville. It was amazing. It was That's I mean, awesome. We'll have to, we'll have to talk uh, again about it later. I remember the first so, one. And the, tomorrow night, um, I'm going to have uh, 
the cast from the Night Watchmen. If you have an Amazon Prime, check that out. I know you. Mm-hmm. I know you love horror. That's a that's yeah. a pretty good movie. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so nice. Talk about good. the final interview. Ah uh, yes. Now this is wonderful. Um. So so just to let you know, next year I actually have four films coming out. I have oh, the Murders. Okay. So I have the Amityville Murders. I have a movie called Wally Got Wasted, which I have a cameo in, which is like Weekend at Bernie's, and that's a uh, that's a <laughs> comedy, uh, which is really funny. Uh, it's an older group now, but they have the same situation where uh, someone is they have to carry around a dead body and make it look alive. So um, uh, that was directed and acted by um, a dear friend of mine named Adam Ward. Um, I did a pilot for him years ago, and uh, so I did that. And then I I have a movie called Waking Nightmare which is very exciting. Um, I'm not sure when. They said it's coming out next year. Um, but Waking Nightmare is um, David Naughton is, plays a doctor in it. Uh, Jamison Newlander, who is in uh, Lost Boys, he plays my husband, and he's wonderful. And then my daughter is, um, she, um, oh my, there's so many names, um, Shelley uh, Regner. And Shelley is in the Pitch Perfect movies. She plays one of the Bellas. So and she's wonderful. So that I'm very excited about. You will see me in a way you've never seen me before, which is so cool. And then um, the final interview. Now the final interview is so exciting because this was sort of like my, like an art film for me. My like one of my first art films. Um, yeah. It is. There's a very distinctive look to it. It looks. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. It's the '80s. Uh, this, yeah. Uh, the director called me from Pittsburgh and said to me. It's, he said, I have an idea for a film. It's very different from a lot of things I've done before, but it's a thriller, and um, it's sort of, I'm going to shoot it sort of like a play. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And he says, ba- there's basically only three characters, but take a look at it. So he sent me the script, and I loved it. I mean, I went crazy. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing how lucky yeah. I am that you thought of me, you know, um, which is the other thing I love new directors and I love people, you know, that I love projects. I mean, obviously my daughter's a filmmaker and I, you know, I've really learned, you know, what they go through and it's, it's just such hard work. And I just have a tremendous amount of respect for new filmmakers. Um, and I just think it's, you know, it's just great when they, you know, step out of a comfort zone and they try something new. And anyway, so this particular film is um, in real time. And so you as an audience member, like a, you don't hear a pin drop when you watch people watching this film. We, we were shocked. Like, you know, you never know when you do a film how it's going to be. But there's total silence, and you can't take your, you can't go to the bathroom. You can't get up because wow. the, everything re- revolves around what you're listening to. And uh, yeah. it was amazing. Afterwards, like people just loved it because it was like a different way of watching film. It was actually a different experience. Um, you know, we're so used to things being fed to us on film. And in this particular film, you really have to listen and um, visualize. I really, all I can tell you is you have, there's no way to explain it, but it is a new kind of filmmaking. And the director really trusts his gut. He's really in his heart. And uh, he, is, he and his wife were working really closely on making it, you know, a really wonderful film. And um, Granger um, Hines, who plays the main actor, plays my ex-husband in it, is amazing. His performance is like an Oscar-winning performance. Seriously, it was yeah, I saw the his trailer. performance. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. So I I really recommend. And then the new the new actor um, Damien uh, is incredible. I mean, he is. Everybody is just so balanced, and you leave the film, which is what I love about, say, an art house film. It leaves you thinking. And to me, that is what makes an art house film, and why I call it an art house film, is because that makes you think. Um, If it's something that's, you know, said to you, you know, if you're talking about blockbuster, you talk about something that unites, you know, everybody watches and everyone can talk about it. But these these films, I think this film, this final interview is actually more for um, people who are mature, older. You know, I I think if you're like under 18, I don't think you're going to, it's going to be, you're not, I don't know if you're going to get it. You got to have a little life experience to watch this film. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Diane, I want to, I want to jump back to um, writing right quick. Um, Any plans to write a film? Oh, that's so interesting. I think someday I will. There's been many times that I've thought about a film, um, films uh, about writing films. Um, And it's funny. I have a lot of ideas. Uh, I have ideas ranging from, you know, films in you know, general and also films like I had an idea about maybe writing about my life, certain aspects of my life that haven't, you know, I haven't gotten into. And so, um, but I'll tell you this, if I do write something, it will be um, deep, but it will also be surprising. Because I, I mean, it'll, it won't. I'm not saying it's heavy film, but I, I, I like. Um, I think if you read my books, you'll get a, a kind of an understanding. It's like I lay things out for people, and then I allow them to make their decision. Like you lay all the facts out, and you go, okay, this is my life. Would you want my life? Would you want what I have? Maybe not. Maybe yes. I don't know. I and I don't judge it. I, I don't judge other people. I kind of like to lay it out. And those are the kind of films that I like to watch. Um, so. That's a good question. But I will say I, I will, I'm planning to do a third book, and I'm going to start working on it next year. And what it is is it's an ode to Better Off Dead. So um, those of you who haven't seen Better Off Dead, it's a wonderful Christmas movie. I know it doesn't sound like it, but it's a comedy. Um, it's with John Cusack, and there's animation and claymation in it, but it's actually hilarious. Um, but it's about a guy who tries to kill himself because his girlfriend dumps him and you know, doesn't succeed, but there's comedy ensues within that, although you have to see it to understand. But anyway, um, the book I'm going to do next year, um, I have the coat that I wore in the film, and I've been going to conventions and telling people, if you want to take a picture in it, you know, you can do that. So I'm asking every single person who, and this has been like for five years I've been doing this, I'm asking anybody who's ever worn the coat to send me a photo of themselves, and I'm going to put this in the book. And the book's going to be called The Excellent Coat of the Last American French Experience. <laughs> what else would you it's name it? Okay, Diane, we have a lot of ground to cover. Um, yeah, and, and sure. Better Off Dead was one of my favorites. Uh, I know I love John Cusack. I kind of identified with him. But let's let's take a little bit of a left turn into, like, the business of show business. Um, do you think sh- uh, show business is more conservative socially now than back in the 80s? Wow, interesting. Um, oh boy, this is very different now. Very okay. Um, back in the eighties, because there wasn't a saturation of material, not everything was getting made. It was harder to break in, 
and it was harder to, um, and you had to be very careful um, what you said, uh, what you said mm. to other people. It was, uh, you you were never, I mean, it, I'll just give you a comparison to today. Like, you know, um, I mean, obviously this whole Harvey Weinstein thing came out, and that was an experience of, like, there can be a backlash to that as well. But you, it was harder to get work and harder to get equipment. Um, not everybody made a film. Whoever had the money had the say, which is in a sense what happens today, except there's so much more content, you know? So yeah. is it, what happened was it was in a way more conservative then because, I mean, the 80s was a fun time. It was so much fun to work as an actor and have fun. But it was fun for me because all the teen movies came out and I was able to audition. I had so much to audition for. Um, I think perhaps maybe in the 70s there maybe wasn't so much work for young people as much, you know, or you'd have to play much younger. You'd have to play a little kid until you uh, maybe, you know, grew up enough and then you could play a young woman or a young married lady. Or so. so, But for me, the teen years were wonderful because there was so much money going into teen films. Um, today, money's everywhere. Everyone's it's spread all over the place. Everybody wants your two dollars, ten dollars. They want your money. <laughs> so, like everyone, right? You know, from somebody who's selling something on Amazon, you know, to food, you know, restaurants, to you know, to marketing. Everybody wants the same money. And so, what happened is, it's it caused a lot of problems for people in the professional business because they have, you know, a lot more at stake they have you have to pay real estate they have to pay union dues and union expenses and they have to pay for people working at their companies and so if that money disappears like how do you keep that business going I think in a way it you know I mean like I think it's less conservative now because everyone's just talking everyone's just saying whatever they want and there's no, there's lack of control of I mean again I mean I just have to say this is and this is probably if you're around my age um you're going to be saying you're going to be thinking you know to people don't don't say too much don't show everything on the internet don't put your life out there you know um you're going to say that to people because your instinct is that you know, people might look at your your stuff and go, no, you know, we don't want that person because they said this or they did that. But this new generation doesn't have that conservativeness. They don't think that way. On the other hand, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's it's just a different world, you know. And yeah, you know, for my daughter, she tells right. me it's a different world. She says people don't care. And I'm thinking, well, you know, some people don't care, but maybe the people who are older who have money, they'll care. See, that's the thing. Mm. The older generation, whoever has the money has the say. This is the truth. Wherever you are, whether that's, that's foreign true. money or domestic money, you know, whoever has it. And so if you insult them or you insult their world, um, how can you expect them to support what you do? I'm not saying that you shouldn't do what you want to do. Do what you want to do, but find the people who support what you do, right? So, that's right. You know, find <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Find it. Don't expect everybody. And and this is the other part, too. Um, and I want to bring this back to, like, even doing Last American Virgin. When I did Last American Virgin, that film, you, you, if you watch it, 
You guys will fall in love with me. That's my character. But at the end, they hate me. I have no control yeah. over that. Whether you love me or you hate me, you're going to have a feeling, but it's going to be one of those two. So what, what I've learned is, you know, in a life, like, you know, as an actor, you cannot expect everybody to love what you do. And honestly, it's great on the Internet to finally realize that, you, that what I'm saying is when people, whether they like you or they don't, don't judge yourself on that. Um, it's almost better when people don't like you as much because it gives people room to learn to like you. You, you know, if, you were, if you're doing you a go. small part in a film, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're a small part in a film and you're not standing out. That's okay because all the people who are standing out, they're competing for bigger money, bigger roles. You have a lot more room. You have a lot more lateral move to, to do all Absolutely. different jobs. Absolutely. You know, you're right. more, so Diana, uh, I was suddenly, are, right? So I wanted to talk enjoy, about, you know. um, <laughs> what's your take on some of the harassment, uh, the harassment scandals in Hollywood? Oh, okay. What do I think about the harassment scandals? Yeah. Good. You asked. I'm glad you asked. Okay. So here's my feeling. It's very interesting. Um, so the Harvey Weinstein situation, while this has been going on, personally, I kept saying to myself, how did I get so lucky that I never met Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> how is that possible? How did that happen? I must have been blessed under a star. I mean, I was sexy. I was like in the 80s. I must have just missed him. I mean, so bizarre that I did not run into him in my career. So bizarre. I mean, so weird. Like, I mean, he did so many films. I mean, maybe, you know, I guess maybe I, I was almost an A-lister with, uh, you know, um, Amadeus. Maybe I would have met him if I was A-listed. But um, maybe that's the big A-list secret, you know. Like, you know, if you got up there, well, that's what happens, you know. But I never met him. So I thought, wow, that's, phew, that was a real good, uh, you know, save there. Um and I think, uh, and also, I played very sexy characters, but I never got um, approached or, you know, had anyone say anything to me in the business um, to get a role, which was another thing. But I did get harassed outside the business. I got harassed by a teacher in college at NYU. I got harassed mm. by another teacher at a different, like, college. I got harassed mm. by um, normal people, like, you know, people at regular jobs. Like, what <laughs> is happening, right? What, a college student? I'm like, what? Um, my, I, but there was only one audition that I got harassed at. Um, but, you know, this even wasn't, her, it was, it was, in, when this whole thing came out, um, this was the only audition, and the, and I I actually tweeted about it because I thought if I tweet about it, and this I think what most women why they tweet, you know, why they do this uh, hashtag Me Too, is because they want to give other women the opportunity to go, oh my gosh, that person did it. Well, they did it to me. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. We all want to help each other. Women want to help each other go oh, my gosh, this happened to you. Oh, like that girl who was talking about Dustin Hoffman, I think uh, Chastin, um, she was talking about how Dustin Hoffman harassed her. And I'm sure there's other women, so if she brings it out, then all of a sudden people go, oh, yeah, you know, that happened to me. So my experience where, um, and this is where it's, we, when we talk about harassment, there's, oof, there's such a wide range of what that word brings up. 
everything from, you know, people can say, you looked at me funny, you said something not nice, you touched me on the butt, you talked, you know, you propositioned me. I mean, it, it grows, right? It, it's like step by step by step, you know. Um, and I think, I think there was even someone who said, like, this is just bad court, courtship. People just don't know how to be, you know, court. I mean, when I heard about Weinstein, I'm like, he's from Long Island, you know, and I grew up in that time in Long Island. I'm like, these guys have to learn how to be better with women. Why did the, what's up with that? You know, like learn to be, you know, suave, learn to be sophisticated, learn to be, you know, charming, whatever happened to how like you charm a woman and you're, you know, you, you're a gentleman and whatever happened to that, you know, I, these people, I've got to learn how to, they've got to get some sex education and, you know, some education <laughs> on how to be women. But anyway, um, quickly, I'll get back is um, uh, I had Sir Giulioni. Uh, he, I came to his, he was in a hotel in, um, what is it? Uh, Canada. He was shooting once upon a time in America. They were at production and I had to go in for the audition to play a young Elizabeth um, McGovern. And that nice. is the role of Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly got the part. Um, but I had, it, they were in, like, I was, it was down to maybe me and her. Like, it was really close. Or maybe they had decided her, but they didn't tell me. But I was up there. And when I went into the audition, uh, it was not good. It was not good. And I'm not going to get into the detail because that might be something we uh, will see in a, uh, a book or, or something about it. But I will say that... I went into that audition and the, there was a woman who brought me into the audition and he asked her to leave. And mm. the woman who brought me in was very, uh, she was very passive and she was like, sort of like an assistant, like, Oh, like, like an, I guess like, um, like, Oh, oh okay. She was very afraid. And so mm. she left. So we all talk about walking into an audition with someone or there should be a woman when you go, like if you have an audition, there always is somebody else there. There's always like an assistant to, you know, like they always talk about, you know, the SAG rules of somebody being there and being there present when you have an audition. And he asked her to leave and she did it. And that's why things went wrong because she wasn't in that room. And he didn't touch me and he but it was bad. And I thought, and I got out of there. And I, I, I but to me, and, I'm, and luckily, luckily, I was 20. And so to me, I thought, well, I'm hoping that nothing bad happened to anybody else who went and auditioned for him. You never know. So um, I think all women well, think they're the only ones that it happens to, you know. Um, and uh, I will say something bizarre. Do you want to hear something bizarre? Hmm. Um, yeah. I actually, my recent book with, um, uh, had, had curls, um, with the one about curls, Brett Ratner wrote my foreword and I guess I Brett Ratner had been, and, and Brett has been, I guess, had allegations against him as well. But the amazing part about Brett, he never came on to me. He never, it, 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 he was the utmost respectful the entire time I've known him, the entire experience, which is so bizarre. Like, You'd think I'm the one. He's madly in love with me. Like this guy, like he wrote this incredible forward. When you read this forward of this book, I mean, I read it and I, he sent it to me and I didn't touch it. I just left it as is. And I was like, oh my gosh, what a nice, you know, I mean, respectful thing he wrote me. 
um, I think it's just even for that sake to, to get it is amazing just to see how some, you know, where he's at. Um, but honestly, like this whole thing having, having, you know, happening to him, if he had said something to me or done something that was wrong, I would have said something. I would have totally said something because that's not okay. But he's been totally respectful. So all I can say is, um, you know, women can only talk about what they've experienced and, uh, I think we're going to hear a lot more about it. I think the harassment is real. I think the harassment is is a wide range. And we can only, uh, I think women in this entertainment business, especially if you're, you have to take care of your body. So you're going to look good. You know, you're going to, you're using your sexuality for your roles. I mean, that's part of what you do. But I will tell you this, up until the Weinstein situation, my experience is only the professionals never, real professionals, real professionals never hit on, don't hit on you. Do not hit on you. Yeah. If you're a real professional, in my experience, and I've worked for like, I mean, I don't know, it was, now it's 40 years, but, you know, even in my 20s and my teens, even Dino De Laurentiis never hit on me, you know. I mean, there were some business deals that had to go down and I had to deal with him, but. You know, right. if he's, if a person's a real professional, they don't bring that in. And I think that's what makes it so sad because this, these were all like A-listers. And you're saying to yourself, what's, why is this being protected? It's sad. So anyway, there you go. There's some. Yeah. There's my yeah, $2. Leone, I'm a big fan of uh, Spaghetti Westerns. And I know that uh, I've yeah. heard a little bit about mm-hmm. Leone. He's uh, Claudia Cardinal from uh, – uh, what was the movie? Uh, Once upon a time in the West said some things about him yeah. that were kind of a little bit, uh, a little bit shady there. And then uh, interesting. That's amazing. So I want to move on to you know it, it's amazing. I heard that your husband wrote for uh, the kids show Fairly Odd Parents, and yeah. that uh, you know in the De Laurentiis family they were involved in one of my all-time favorites, Conan the Barbarian, and you got your daughter making movies. I mean, it right. must be fun being yeah. part of such a. Uh, talented family i mean that must be a lot of fun um yes with dino um with funny because i worked for dino de Laurentiis in in amityville he produced that film then okay. he almost had the rights to so i so I actually worked for dino and talked to dino personally like i knew dino and then wow wow then which was hilarious right so, and i mean i didn't know my husband then i just knew dino and then wow um uh and he's, it was just funny. He's like this little Italian man, and he's like, so we're going to do this, you know, like, you know, we're going to, you know, I've heard all the stories. And I, and right, and I have a story in my first book with Dino. I talk about Dino. Um, so if you get my first book, you'll get some of the stories as well. Did you hear about the and Arnold the, story? I haven't heard about the Arnold. There's an Arnold story? Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dino. I don't know about that, like, that relationship. <laughs> I'll kind of paraphrase it, that he was uh, mm-hmm. negotiated for Conan. And uh, Arnold's like, why does such a little man need such a big desk? And then uh, right. Arnold's ag- agent said, uh, oh, you just uh, oh, you just ended your career. And so Arnold said, no, I think I just started my career. You know, he kind of made fun of him a little bit. So yeah. short. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> the funny thing with Dino is, I mean, okay, so he did that. that there's a funny Bill and Ted story because Bill and Ted, um, he had the rights to it, but he didn't get the sense of humor. So he let it go. Okay. He was like, I don't, what's so funny about wow. that? And then it became huge. So oh, if he had kept that, he would have done well, but he didn't get it because he was Italian. And so he's like, I don't know. I don't get this. So, um, 
Yeah, but Dino, Dino was fine. We, I was fine. And then my husband, what happened is the, the grandfather, the great-grandfathers are, were brothers. And they, uh, like, had a fight and they separated. And so my husband, uh, we have our names spelled uh, with a T-I-S. And Dino has two I's, a T-I-I-S. Um, but that was down the line. But um, what's so funny is I've had people come up to me and go, oh, my gosh, are, you know, they've recognized me, but they thought I was the, uh, the, uh, the cook, um, Giada, Giada De Laurentiis. And I'm like, no, I'm not Giada. I'm <laughs> Franklin, but that's okay. I wish I could cook like her. So uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah, that's amazing. So uh... – Bill and Ted, you seem to be banging the drum for like a, uh, I guess like a sequel. Oh, yeah. So I'm hoping that that's another film that will, I mean, they were hoping to, I think, shoot it this year. They're, the problem I've, I hear is more about um, legal rights than it is uh, anything financial. So I'm just hoping, I mean, I just hope even if they don't put me in it, um, which we're, Kim and I are hoping that we'll be, the princesses will be back, um, I just hope they get the rights to do it because people are such huge fans. And we need a little Bill and Ted. We need new little Bill and Ted's. <laughs> we need that little, you know, dude, excellent, you know, and it would be our children <laughs> of the next generation of Bill and Ted, which would be hilarious. We sure do. And, you know, I've always wondered yeah. about the – how residuals work? I mean, without going into too much details, mm-hmm. I mean, how does all that work with uh, residuals and, you know, every time things play on Netflix and Amazon and all that stuff? Well, you do get paid when things show. Um, and it just your different rates depend upon where it's showing, whether it's foreign sales or domestic, if it's on Netflix or Amazon. Um, so I even still today get paid. I mean, my daughter, we were talking about my daughter, Olivia, she still gets um, – she was um, did voiceover in um, – oh, my gosh. She did a voiceover for Lilo and Stitch. and She did the role of Lilo for some games and some TV shows. And she still gets residuals. Um, nice. She in, um, oh, um, she was in Happy Feet. She did voiceover in Happy Feet. And she still gets residuals, which is, is amazing. She was, like, I don't know, five or something or seven or – so um, – but – that's a nice part of the business. Um, it's just that now with the internet, it's getting very tricky because people want things for free. And so, like, you know, if you say something's a docudrama, they're go- it, the fact that it's got some documentary in it makes, you know, people don't have to pay as much because they're, it's got a documentary feeling to it. You know, things are going low budget because, you know, everybody wants to make films and we all have equipment we can make films with. So, um I, I, I think I, what I do expect is I think that they're going to start making some more hard rules about Internet uh, shows and web shows. Um, I think they'll probably, you know, get fees so that, you know, the world has been very generous um, with, like, YouTube and showing things. But I really think at a certain point they're going to pull that all in. So yeah, show your show. You know, if you have something online, show it a lot now because you don't know. Next year they might say, Okay, we're going to put a, you know, we're going to start charging you for things because mm. people have to make money, you know. Um, yeah. I think we've gotten so used to getting things for free that, you know, there'll be a time where generations will be like, uh, you can't get this film for free anymore. You got to pay, you know. So, um, but with my daughter, like, she has um, a web series she created called Sugar Babies. So if you are listening to this, um, my daughter, and you might be one of these people, you write, direct, act, and edit. Um, your own films, you know, and that makes it, it, you a very desirable quantity in the business because 
if you can wear many hats, then you have more control over your product, you know, what you're, what you're selling, what you're saying. So she did that with a, a show called Sugar Babies. But if you just put Sugar Babies on YouTube, you're going to get you're probably going to get porn. So, so maybe the girl who like, yeah, who does things, you know, with guys and goes out with them for money, older guys, younger women. Um, but you want to put sugar babies and then barely legal comedy. That's what she did it under. And so she and her, her writing partner, uh, they, uh, her comedy partner is uh, Sydney Heller. And the two of them write uh, fairly, uh, they write under the name fairly legal comedy. So look for Bailey Legal Comedy, Sugar Babies, and you will see her show. And I'm in it. I did an episode. And Jerry Trainer did an episode. He was in um, iCarly, and he was the older brother. He played Spencer. So he's in it um, in, like, I think the episode four or something or five. And uh, they're very short. They're, like, eight minutes long. But her hope is to have a show on TV. That's what she's working towards. So uh, you will see her. She's going to be much more famous than me. I'm just a little person. <laughs> You keep your eye on her for her name. Okay, yeah. so we're getting near the end here. Just had a couple more questions. So now you got to talk sure. about your experience with uh, conventions. And uh, I saw you in that one picture with uh, the world-famous Cassandra Peterson. Talk about that. <gasps> yeah. Oh, okay. So one of the things that I do now um, is I have uh, a convention agent, and he – calls and sets me up to go to different conventions. Now, if you're in an area where you want me to come, um, what you need to do is I would just go to go to Diane Franklin fans. You'll see black, two black and white pictures of me, Diane Franklin fans, um, and it's in the group section, and friend me there, and then I will bring you in because my regular Facebook is full. So you look for the Diane Franklin fans. I had this, like, the other one's full. And then tell me when you're there like that you'd like me to come to where you are um, because then I can tell my agent to ask them if, if they'd like me to show up. But um, this year I have traveled to like, gosh, I did a convention in Chicago. I did one in um, Port, I think was it, uh, I did a show in Oregon. Um, I did one in uh, upstate New York Um I did one in my, it's like so many, I did one in the Dominican Republic called eighties in the city, which by the way, I highly recommend if you love the eighties, I'm going to, we're hopefully going to do it again next year. Um, Check out eighties in the sand. That's all I can say. It's in the Dominican Republic at a a resort called breathless. It was the only vacation I've ever gone where I didn't want to come home. (laughs) I was so, it was so beautiful. And it was so 80s. It was so much fun. There were concerts, and I got to meet the motels, and I got to meet um, uh, uh, Ber- Terry Berlin, uh, no, Terry Nunn from uh, Berlin, and um, it was amazing. It was just a, a you know, flock of seagulls, and gosh, I don't know who else they're going to have. But nice. anyway, so the conventions are a chance, at least personally for me, what I love about them is all the time I was auditioning in the 80s, I never got to hang with other actors because you're busy concentrating on your material and your work. And so you're going on for those auditions. So your focus isn't on meeting other people and, or perhaps you only meet them when you get the job and then you get to know them. So what's really nice about conventions now is that when I go there, I can actually meet people that I've respected or I've seen their films. So, um, I, gosh, um, I've seen, uh, like, 
like uh, I had a great reunion with um, uh, Jill Schillen, who did Stepfather, and Suzanne Snyder, who did, um, gosh, uh, Killer Clown from Outer Space. And we just, I, and then Amanda Witt, we all got together and we were like hanging out and talking. Um, we also, uh, oh, uh, re, um, the guy from Walking Dead, um, Norman Reedus. Wonderful guy. Uh, he actually wa- loved Better Off Dead, which was amazing. So I meet him, and he's like, every time I go to a convention, he lets me come to the front of the line and hug him, and then it's like, oh my gosh, right? So I've had some really <laughs> fun meetings. Um, it's just hilarious, you know. Or I, I get to see um, well Barry Bostwick. I've worked with, and I've seen him at conventions. And uh, nice. gosh, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's just it's just it's so much fun and the the wonderful thing that I'm happy about is because I've done so many different genres I've done horror I've done comedy I've done drama I can go to different kinds of conventions so I can go to I went to Comic Con once and uh, I can go to um, you know a horror convention and meet the horror people um, like Heather Langenkamp um, you know it's just really fun uh, to be able to go and bounce back and forth to different types of conventions and uh, I just even went to an author con. Um, which was wonderful. I was seen as an author, and that was a blessing. Uh, based oh, on my nice. book. So, um, it, excellent. Yeah, it was really great. So I'm very excited um, to be, you know, acknowledged and, you know, brought as, you know, to help and, you know, do conventions. So come find out about my conventions. If you friend me on Facebook, then I post all the things that are coming out, the new movies and conventions where you can see me and um, where you can get autographed pictures, and uh, it's really, really fun. All right, so we're down to just two quick questions, and they're a little bit philosophical. The first one is, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, nice. Um, well, I have some very good advice for myself when I was younger. <laughs> Stop second-guessing yourself. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. Don't I, – I, what I knew then, I, whenever I was acting – and I and I did it with my heart. That was it. That's all I needed. I, I you know I think there's a, there's a part of me that always felt like I had to learn techniques in order to um, like I needed to study acting heavily. Um, I always felt like maybe I didn't get the training that I should have. Um, I feel like my feeling about training, acting training, is that tra- learn. Okay, acting training is like learning different languages. It's great to know all different languages because you might wind up working with a director who speaks that language and you'll understand him, but it doesn't teach you what to say. It doesn't teach you the passion. So you're going to learn technique, but is that still, is that going to make somebody want to watch you? It has to come from you. It has to come from your passion. It has to come from something you have to say as a person. Some people know what love is. Some people know what sadness is. Some people know what hate is. Some people know what pride is. And if it comes from you, then that's going to be the thing people are going to come and watch you for, right? So right. that's what I would tell myself in the future. Trust my gut. Mm. Maybe learn some different languages, but don't worry about it because you, you you're, you're on the right path when you're going with your heart. Yeah, you've got to go with your gut. What's your personal okay. motto? Ooh, my personal motto, gosh, it, this is so funny you say this because I will be in the car with my son and I will just 
philosophize with him. <laughs> we'll just tell him, oh, this is what you have to do. Life is like alcohol. And he'll be like, Mom, it's like, what are you setting me out? Like, what are you doing? Um, but look at that. What's my, what's my motto? Ah. Um. Oh, all right. Well, I don't know if it's a motto, but success will come, but you can't decide when. Beautiful, beautiful. I like that one. Yeah, you can't decide. It will come. You just have to keep doing it. You keep doing it. It will come eventually, but you, it won't come necessarily when you want it. It's when the world is ready. All right? And the world's ready, ready to very take well it said. In. Yeah. So there you go. Be free. Amazing. <laughs> well, Diane, yeah, it's uh, been always been a pleasure speaking with you. Always, always, always. I definitely have you on as you have those projects coming up next year. It's just always, uh, I always learn so much when you're on. Thank you. You know what? I love the questions you ask. I so love them. You have to ask me the best questions because you're really taking care of your audience. You're taking care of the actors in the audience, and and they need to know what happened in the past and how it affects now and how things have changed, you know, and how they haven't changed, you know. So you're and you're taking you're taking good questions, good questions because you're taking care of your actors. So thank you. Oh yes, thank you for those kind words. Well, Merry Christmas and a good night to you and yours. Thank you so much, and uh, everybody. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, whatever, Happy Hanukkah, and uh, whatever you're celebrating, just remember you're wonderful, you're special, you're important. Okay? Go out there and be in the world. All right. Bye. Great. Good night. Good night. Yes. All right, my wonderful listeners out there, remember to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Good night. Under the dark you pacify me Hold my breath Take me down, I won't fight Beat on my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my death Makes a sound no one can find I never met anyone like you
Cover my skin, you climb like I did On walls of gray Save me now, you're too close Feels like a sin when you're beside me Till I play with your danger Like a 